Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You're listening to Linux in the Ham Shack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. And hello everybody, you have tuned into episode number 218 of Linux in the Ham Shack, and we have a great program for you tonight. This is our deep dive episode, and there are a lot of notes in the show notes that will wind up in the show notes after we get done, but I'm not even sure what all this crap means. I guess we're going to talk about USB. USB? (laughs) (laughs) Imagine that. Yeah, we're going to take a deep dive into USB, and specifically USB as it relates to devices and connecting your rig and a whole bunch of other things. And since... uh, we, as in Cheryl and I, and mostly me, are completely unprepared for this. Um, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna let Bill talk about this. However, I do have something to add about one of the things, one of the bullets here that you're going to talk about. So, all right, let's oh, let's excellent. dive into USB. Okay, so uh, the reason why I want to talk about this because we we've kind of had this question to us in the past. You know, we're, when you're trying to get your rig installed. And it happens to be on a USB device, which almost all of them are. Uh, they provide that serial interface. And, you know, by default, when you plug something in, you know, the very first USB serial device becomes slash dev slash TTY USB zero. And then every additional one you plug in after that becomes, you know, one, two, three, and four, and so on. But when you reboot your computer, they change because they just get numbered randomly and there doesn't seem to be any sense of it. And I know a lot of people have run into this and we've also had a lot of people come and say, well, you know, you can use the by ID, you know, the by ID path or the by path. And, and, uh, you know, that does work as well. Um, except for like in CQR log. And I know we've mentioned this before is that, you know, CQR log for some reason, you can't store that by ID or by path in there. Plus, I kind of want to say that the by ID and by path for your serial devices have some pretty long and obtuse names. So let's let's look into this a little bit. So, you know, when you plug in your USB device, and we're talking serial USB, so like uh, um, you got an ICOM rig, you're plugging the little, uh, you know, CIV interface in to give you a serial device to your CIV interface, or you got... Um, you know, you know, an IC7300 or something like that that has the serial and the audio. Or you got the Kenwood uh, 590SG has got the serial and the audio. So it provides you two devices, two distinct devices. And generally the uh, the serial device is called something very generic, more, normally after the chipset, like FTDI, FT232R, blah, 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 USB UART, whatever. You know, it has a very unfriendly name. And it might even have like a vendor name or something like that in it. Uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So we're going to teach you tonight how to get that device to be named, uh, you know, something more friendly uh, automatically every time you plug it in. And uh, so what we have is uh, let's just talk about our options in general when it comes to plugging in USB serial devices. So I already mentioned the by ID. So like what happens is you plug it in, your serial device has a name, 
I'll give you mine, for example, which is called USB dash FTDI underscore FT two three two R underscore USB underscore UART A five zero VAZB seven. And if you like that name, that's really good, you know, because it really describes what kind of interface that is and uh, everything else. Except for the fact that it means absolutely nothing to me. <laughs> and if I plug in, uh, you know, my uh, uh, my SCU-17 for my Yezu rig, it has a very similar name as well because it also has a very similar chipset. So using that by ID, even though it's unique in the system, it really isn't anything meaningful to me if I want to say, let's say, call it slash dev slash, you know, FT450D or slash dev slash IC703. So I know which rig is actually plugged in uh, based upon the interface type. Now, if you happen to use the same interface type, let's say like that CIV interface and you happen to plug it into different rigs, well, you might just want to call it slash dev slash ICOM or something like that. Um, so you have the BIID, which is the long name, which is in slash dev. So if you have a Unix or a Linux system up, you can do LS space slash dev slash serial slash by dash ID slash and then you'll see all the enumerations for your serial devices by ID. And by the same token, there's one called by path. And this one gives you slash dev slash serial slash by dash path slash. And they'll give you all the devices in there. Those are even more unfriendly names. Those are more by addressability. So like in mine, it would be PCI dash 0000 colon 00 colon 1A USB. So it shows you the path to the device through the system. So it goes through the PCI bus into the USB bus out via port zero in the USB. So you can see how unfriendly these names become. And uh, then the third option we have is the actual, let's just name the device something we can use, or we can just deal with the dev slash TTY USB zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, until you run out of numbers or you have too many devices and you can't keep up. So now that we know we have the problem, Let's figure out how to find what our device and enough information about our device to get it in its own name. So we can use that slash dev slash icom or slash dev slash Kenwood or Yezu or Beifang or whatever you want to call it. Um, some of the command line tools that we have that you can use. Um, DMessage is real popular. It's kind of like a, I use it a lot because it's like the lazy man's tool. It basically pulls you the, uh, the uh, log, kind of like the running log of the system. And uh, you can break it anytime you want to press <laughs> on that. Um, <laughs> at least that's what I, I envision it as. And I knew I can do like a D message, pipe, grep, uh, you know, you know, USB. I'm looking for a USB device that just enumerated itself. Now, the only problem is if you've done it multiple times in the same boot sequence, you're going to get pretty much everything that's ever been in the D message log, um, which will be everything with like the current var log messages file or something like that. Is that right? <clears throat> The var log messages file is like the universal system log, yeah. and D message is the kern log, K E R N dot log, okay. kernel log. So that's right, that's right. So that's the difference. Yeah, the kernel log. So yeah, if you could get the kernel log or whatever. Um, so I've used that before. That at least tells me what device. So if you want to know like which serial port it's on right now, which you know TTY port, TTY USB zero, or what have you. That's going to give you that information. There is probably enough in there that you can find, but I'm going to give you some better tools that you can figure out what devices or what information from that device you need to then enumerate it in uh, UDEV. UDEV is the, the key to getting a custom named or at least a symbolically named symlink name port. 
which is kind of what we're trying to get. And this is for systems that actually use UDEV because old, old systems don't. <laughs> right. Old, old systems do not use UDEV. Uh, in that case, I would suggest just doing a, a symbolic link and you just do it manually by ID and on the ID link. And that would probably work in most of those old systems. Although I've had problems in the past doing that. Um and I'm not quite sure why, <laughs> but I know I've tried to do that in the past and I, I had some really bad luck with it. Um, but this seems to be really, really like the bee's knees when it comes to coming to set this up. So we talked about dmessage. Um, if you've never used dmessage before, go ahead and run it on your system and take a look at it. It kind of gives you that step by step what happened in your system while it was booting. Um, sometimes you can use it to also kind of, you know, I'm using some air quotes here, debug some you know, booting problems and stuff like that. It does give you all the kernel logging and stuff like that that came out, you know, during your boot up and, you know, live on the system. So you can see if something's flapping or something like that and on the kernel itself, where you're like losing a device, getting device, losing a device, getting device. Um, plus there's a lot of other information in there that's that's pretty useful. But if you just want to grab sort of plug in and, and, and those kind of devices, you can, you know, quickly do it through dmessage. The other options are to use the uh, the ls USB command. That's going to give you all the USB devices. If you haven't tried that, go ahead and try that too. <laughs> uh, it's kind of interesting. You can do an LS PCI if you're looking for PCI devices. Of course, for our discussion, we're just talking about USB devices here. But essentially, it works exactly the same way. It gives you uh, you know kind of a run by run of your devices in the system that are plugged into a various um, uh, interface to the system, whether that be PCI or USB. And I'm looking at mine right now. I'm uh, just, uh, I got my Dell laptop plugged in here, and it gives me the real generic names for everything. So, like, my, uh, my, two, my two serial devices come up as Future Technologies International blah, 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 blah names. <laughs> uh, uh, and, of course, not very useful. It doesn't really give me the, uh, the actual address. The numbers that it gives you are kind of like the device attributes. So it kind of describes, uh, you know, the vendor and what kind of product it is. So it sort of gives you that kind of information, although uh, it's, it's, it's going to be pretty similar. All uh, like serial devices are going to show up uh, as a 0403 colon 000, or sorry, 6001. And uh, that, that'll be what you use to also put in um, what we're going to call the, uh, a USB serial rules file or your UDEV here in a few minutes. Um, so that gives you that. Um, DMessage is going to give you the actual port number that it's on. So I, I'd say start with that first so you can see that, oh, yeah, it's on TTY USB 0. And then we're going to look at UDEV admin or UDEV ADM. And uh, this command here actually gives you the detailed information of a specific uh, device. And uh, you'll do a UDEV ADM space info space dash a space dash n space slash dev and the device name tty usb zero in my case and if you just let that go it'll give you a bunch of stuff including what you really need and what you really need is the uh the line that has serial in it and that line that has serial in it the very first line is going to give you the true device serial number that we need to use in our enumeration for this particular device so we can detect it it's going to be the unique id and in my case, it's uh, A600A9T2. So now that we have all of that information, we can actually go into our UDEV and create a custom rule for serial devices. 
and you can do this for any uh, USB serial device that you have. And you basically create a file inside your Etsy udev slash rules.d directory. Um, and what, uh, what I found is they recommend the one called 99-usb-serial.rules. And you'll use your favorite editor. If you use Emacs, that's fine. Just don't tell us about it. You really should use Vim <laughs> or VI. <laughs> but if you use Emacs, it's fine, or Nano. That's okay. You can do that. And, uh, and you'll add a, add a new line in this file. And uh, the syntax and stuff is, is in our show notes. And you can also probably Google this or, you know, um, go, go, duck to go, go or whatever <laughs> uh, the actual line. But basically, you're going to include a, a subsystem, a subsystem line that's going to have subsystem and what type of subsystem. It's a TTY. So you're telling it that it's a, you know, a TTY. And you tell it the first thing it's an attributes of uh, ID vendor, and that's at 0403. And then it's the attributes ID product at 6001. And then finally, your attributes serial. And your serial number that you got, the A600A9T2, which is mine, and that came from that udev adm command. And then you tell it at the end what you want it, what you want to call it. And in my case, I symlinked mine to IC703. So once you once you restart udev and it'll reenumerate that device, you should now have a device called slash dev slash whatever you called it in the symlink. And in my case, it's IC703. So essentially, I created a shortcut to my name that's always automatic. So now if I pl- unplug it, it goes away. I plug in the uh, SCU17. It comes up as slash dev slash FT450D now. And it makes things really super easy, especially with CQR log where you can type in when you can type in the actual device name. Now, not all, all the programs out there, we're going to let you type in the actual device name. You know, they might have a drop down. And some dropdowns are not good because they have like a static list of dropdowns. Like it can only be TTY, USB, blah, blah, or TTY S0 through whatever. Um, sorry, Slack just came in. <laughs> 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 Work never ends. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so like those programs, and there's not many of those left over, but I, I, I'm trying to recall one. I didn't have time to go through and find which one I'm thinking of that does that. But there's uh, ones that have static lists, and those are bad. That's not the way you should do it. Uh, either let it be a free form, like CQR log has it, or you actually walk the device list, um, and then you see what devices are there. And then it will show up. It will show up as a, as one of your uh, named devices um, that you can select in the dropdown. Like, I believe FL Digi has, a, has the walking thing, so it looks and sees what devices you actually have, and it allows you to populate that. So this, I think, is like is like pretty slick because I know I was so distraught <laughs> after I got my, uh, you know, my Ubuntu box set up and I plugged all my devices in, got everything working in CQR log, had the, you know, the SO2R, you know, single operator, two rig interface working. And then all of a sudden I rebooted <laughs> and nothing worked anymore. And, uh, I was like, what, what's going on? And it's because I use those you know, those first set of values that came in there. So like the dev slash TTY USB one and USB zero. Well, it was like the FT 450 D was zero and IC 703 was one, but when it rebooted, it was the other way around, <laughs> you know? Uh, so yeah, it's a, uh, it can, it can be frustrating. And I think this, this particular fix, if you have a UDEV system, meaning that you have a fairly modern, you know, 
uh, you know, Linux-based system that uses UDEV for its device management. This is going to save a lot of trouble, especially if you plug a lot of different, you know, serial-based devices in with, uh, you know, different uses and stuff like that. And, you know, even in my shack where I have like, you know, two, three devices, let's see, one, two, three, three, four, four devices that use serial. Um, I have the Winkier, so the Winkier uses a serial device. It's just three. Yeah, the Winkier uses a serial, so I have that named Winkey. Uh, FD450D, which is the SCU17. There's the second. There's a second. Uh, the second port on the SCU17. So it has two serial devices. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> um, so it does have two serial devices, which is like kind of confusing. And then the IC703. So. Yeah, so you can have everything and then have custom names for it all. And no matter which order you plug it in or which one you plug it in, you'll know which one you're actually communicating with. So it does uh, does have to simplify things. And uh, yeah, yeah, I understand. There's a lot of uh, a lot of. I'm just reading the chat room now. <laughs> a lot of specifics with command lines and and running uh, options and and stuff like that. And I and I highly recommend you you go back and you look at this. Grab the show notes. Look at uh, look at doing this. And uh, once you do it the first time, you'll be amazed how simple it is and uh, how much easier it makes your life, especially if you're going through multiple devices and stuff like that, like like I see and stuff like that. Um, you know, is it worth it if you have only one device? Uh, maybe, you know, just for the experience of actually doing a custom UDEV entry. You know, it's uh, it's definitely worth the... Um, uh, the knowledge of, of messing around with X. Not everybody gets into uh, messing around with, um, you know, UDEV. They just, you know, assume it, it works. You plug something in and your device works and that's it. You walk away from it and you're done. Um, but, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't really, uh, I, I wouldn't recommend against it. Uh, you know, it's always worth doing. So, uh, uh, any other questions from the chat room on that? Uh, you had some stuff you wanted to talk about, some particular command line there, Russ? Because I have in my Hamshack computer two USB to serial converters that are essentially the same, but they actually have different uh, attributes. They have a different vendor IDs and different product yeah. IDs. And yet, when I tried to put both of them into a UDEV rule file, they kind of like walked on each other, and neither one worked. Interesting. And then, and I'm not sure why that was. If I did one, it was fine. Like I had one for my HF rig and I had one for my VHF rig. And if I only did one, it was fine. If I did them both, they kind of, it, it didn't really work real well. And it might've been for the fact that the serial number on both devices was zero. They did not report serial numbers. Oh, that's peculiar. And <laughs> it, I haven't run across that It yet. is peculiar. <laughs> but I have seen that. I've seen references to it on the internet that some devices will not report back a serial number and you have to put zero in as a serial number and it does work that way um, because you do have the distinct vendor and product values um but i did have issues with that and uh just as a side note on the looking at hardware stuff this doesn't particularly work for um usb devices but if you're looking to see what the hardware in your system is, there is a great utility called INXI, and uh, that's an app getaway in your Debian install and probably a, a yum install away on your Red Hat system. Um, but it's it's much better formatting for system information. Like it'll show you your CPUs and sound cards, 
uh, disk drives, block devices, all kinds of uh, great information. It's got good help on it too. But if you're if you're looking at things like LSHW and LSUSB and LSBLK and LSPCI and all those other ones like that, you might also want to try out INXI. It also integrates with sensors, lib sensors, so you can see things like fan speed and CPU temperature and information like that if your system has access to the sensors library. Um, so it's kind of a, it's kind of a nice multi-tool. So, uh, and I always forget about that one. So I'm putting it in here as a note to myself. So when I listen to this episode again, I'll be like, oh yeah, that's what the name of it is. Uh, cause I can never remember. Uh, and the other thing is I think, and don't quote me on this, but I think if you really want to get hardcore into this UDEV thing, you don't have to use a SIM link. You can actually go into the UDEV rules and if you have a proper vendor id and serial number and all that you can actually hard code the device yeah um so you don't actually have a sim link to it and i will also say that unless you are like unplugging and plugging in your usb devices into other random usb ports it's been my experience that the usb devices always come in in the same order they don't flip flop around they used to that used to be a problem in like older kernels um, but in the more recent ones, I've not seen that issue. As long as you're not moving physically the USB cables, they always reboot in the same order for me. Right. Well, they do if you boot in that order. But like if you plugged them in while you are running, they will be different. Yes, they will definitely be different. They will be right. in the order that you plug them in, in. And if you happen to be in my case where you have a laptop with a docking station that you may or may not actually have it docked, those devices on the docking station will get numerated differently as well. All right. That's also a fair point. And there is a comment in the, in the chat room. That's interesting about using D message with the dash C switch. And that will actually clear out the result of D message so that if you want to see if a recent change has occurred in your D message and don't want to see all the back history from the boot of the machine, that will actually clear the D message history and only show you what's happening since that time forward. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I haven't used that. And so we have to thank W6KWF for that little tidbit. And honestly, I didn't know about that. I just used D-Message and just kind of tail to the end. Yeah. So (laughs) either use like a tail, (laughs) thousand, and then pipe grab, and then... (laughs) You know how it is. It's like you find a utility, it does what you want, and there's there's 65 different switches to it that you never touch until someone points out the fact that this is the cool thing you don't know about, and then you're like, oh, okay, well, file that away for future reference, but yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's see. Do I have anything else to say about UDEV and all that kind of thing? I um haven't played around with UDEV admin, UDEV ADM. Did you actually use that, or did yeah. you just find info? In it? No, yeah, yeah. It looks really, it's really good. It's uh, not bad at all. Gives you all the information, uh, you know, at least in a format that you can use for UDEV, you know, because <laughs> that's right. what it's expecting to look at. So if you want to inspect things with the actual uh, names and stuff like that, like, if you uh, do the UDEV like I did there and pipe grab serial, you actually get the line in the format you'll need it, which is attributes, whatever, um, attributes, you know, serial in brackets equals the, the, the serial number. So, yeah, it's, it's it's very useful. Yeah, that is nice because the syntax is not exactly um, intuitive no, <laughs> for setting up no. a UDEV rule. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, are, there is quite, there's quite a bit of doc- documentation out there for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, 
it's still kind of, you know, (laughs) (laughs) right. I mean, it, it looks like linking, linking to the by ID, like creating a symlink to the by ID is also a, you know, fairly simple way to do this. Yeah, it's definitely because presumably, yeah, that's viable because those those values won't change for sure. Yeah, and that's why a lot of people suggest using those because those are unique. You know, they expose that value, um, at least a unique value to the system. So you can you can do that. Um, but you know, if you're going to go that far, you might as well just you know go all the way in and write your own UDEV rule. <laughs> right, just so you can say you can show everyone how smart you are by saying that you can actually manipulate UDEV and they'll be like, they'll look at you with mouth agape and, <laughs> and, and sheer awe. <laughs> so yeah. uh, the LSUSB dash uh, V from uh, W6KWF is the verbose mode of that. And that does give you, uh, does give you information too, but of course you'll have to grep out what you want or, uh, or actually uh, less it or whatever. So you can see exactly what you want. Cause there's a lot of information in the verbose list. Same thing with LSHW. There's oh, uh, yeah. a whole lot of information that gets popped out of that. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, just uh, use these tools carefully or just be prepared for a whole lot of output. Yes, yes. So use less, use more, use whatever you want to, uh, you know, so filter it a little bit. Uh, I use grep. Normally I'm looking for something specific. So useful tools, useful tools. Yep, absolutely. And uh, I'm going to have to retry this because I do have a bunch of USB devices and serial devices hooked into my Hamshack computer. And like I said, I had issues with the first time. But I think the UDEV ADM is where I'm going to start. I'm going to have it tell me what to put in the UDEV rule yeah. rather rather than have to me type it in because I probably just fat fingered something. So. Yeah, so you'll just want to query those those three values there, the ID vendor, ID product, and serial, and that, that should give you enough information for it to link because that's exactly how it builds the, the by ID. Yep, I'm actually going to do that right now because I want to see if it actually reports the uh, the zero serial number like it was doing before. Yeah, it's really weird. I've never actually seen that, but um, most of my devices are fairly newer, I guess. I don't know. Well, I mean, you know, the... Uh, the CIV devices from China, from US, you know, whatever, from eBay. <laughs> if anything's going to have a zero, it's going to be that puppy. <laughs> but uh, that was fine. Um, and then the SCU, of course, was, you know, some random number as well. All right. I'm plugging it in now. Let's see what happens. Everybody else Ooh. do the same thing and plug it into the chat room and we'll just compare notes. <laughs> all right. Well, there's all the information. So let's see. USB one. I got to find the device I'm looking for now. <laughs> I didn't bother to check and see what it's by by its by path was. Oh, okay. So, yeah. oh, here it is, right here. TTY USB USB serial. You have driver drivers P one two three zero three or sorry PL two three zero three. Yep. Um. Do 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 do. I think we're all pros at fat fingering a keyboard. That's a uh, part of the <laughs> yes. part of the business with being a computer guy is to uh, have uh, done that. The key is to not do okay, that on a production system fu- where it brings everybody down. <laughs> <laughs> right Oops. now i'm trying to find the information the uh the ids yeah so you want to look for the vendor and the product okay here it is yeah, yeah. id product 2008 id vendor 0557 okay and let's see where cereal cereal's got to be in here somewhere where the hell is cereal at what are you using the search through it just your eyes yeah, yes, I'm using my eyes. I'm not grabbing for anything. So, well, if you left it or something, you just do a slash cereal. <laughs> Grep is your friend. <laughs> uh, let's see. Pipe it through less. Look for cereal. Oh wait, what happened there? Some that, that broke. 
horribly. <laughs> oh, here we go. A serial. Wait, that that doesn't look like a serial number. What do you got? Zero 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 colon zero zero colon one four dot zero. Well, that's interesting, but that might work. No, that apparently is the keyboard. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, so so the uh, the serial controllers do not report a serial number. Really? Yes. Really? As I've already explained, they do not report a serial number. Well, <laughs> you're just the exception, not the rule. <laughs> and I have two of them. I have two devices with distinct uh, vendor IDs and product and IDs. And which both did of you which buy these at? For $5 uh, no, I, or less? <laughs> I think I bought them from like AliExpress like eight years ago or something. Oh, I don't yeah. know. That's before they needed serial numbers. There wasn't enough right. serial devices in the world. <laughs> Yeah, I probably just need to go. I mean, they do work. Yeah. And there's no question about it, the fact that they do work. It's just manipulating these UDEV rules gets to be problematic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting because a lot of the serial devices, like almost all UART serial devices, actually report the uh, same vendor and uh, and product ID. So that's why, uh, in general, they'll, you'll see um, the ones I put in, uh, the 0403 and the 6001. Because it's generic. It's a sort of a generic vendor, generic product, because it, it, it represents a UART, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah, two US, you know, a 232, uh, you know, um, UART device. So, yeah, uh, in your case, because yours is not reporting that way, you would probably just survive with your vendor product ID and then you're either an empty serial or a zero serial. Well, the, the documentation I saw said to put zero for the serial number, and that did work. Like I said, if I did them one at a time, but if but I did them, if did I put them both one, in it, they both probably both show up as the same ID and vendor product, right? No, they don't. Oh, well, they should be unique enough. That's kind of weird. Yeah, that's what I thought, and I, and I thought they should be unique enough because the vendor ID and product ID is completely different. Even though they sort of look the same, they are different devices. Huh. They were bought. They were bought years apart. So that is. Peculiar. It is peculiar, but yeah. I'm going to do it again. I'm yeah. going to see. I'm going to. I'm going to update my uh, my experience with this later on and see how it goes. Yeah, yeah. I'd say give it a try. Give us some feedback on it. I mean, it's a, it's pretty well documented, and I've had pretty good success with it here uh, on my system. But uh, you know, hey, it's not your mileage may vary with anything. Yeah, absolutely. And this does work if it wasn't clear that it works with actual serial devices as well as USB serial. It doesn't doesn't really matter as long as it's something a device in UDEV. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't technically have to be a, a USB device, but um, yeah, you can you can name everything you want. Like if you have just like go, audio just, devices too. Like I have a lot of Bur, Bur, whatever that comes up Burr Brown or whatever or some unique you know audio codec chipset and stuff like that. You can name it like you know it's my Tigertronics or it's my soundboard or you know it's the soundboard that's on the SCU's teen. You know all those come in as like basically the same audio chipset and uh, sometimes it can be hard to like you know distinguish between all those. So you might want to name those as well, so you have some unique names in the in the system. Although I'm not sure what happens in the also land with that. I have not tried that. Yeah, that's like using a new technology with an outdated technology. Yeah. Again, again, your mileage may vary yeah. on that. <laughs> I'd have to give that a try before I could even recommend trying that. <laughs> I think I might do that though, because I do have like you know so many devices plugged into the one machine. It is kind of uh, I, I have at least two things that come up as USB codec, which is <laughs> I just have to see what's on them when I uh, it's like oh yeah that's on uh, FT8, so that must be that one. <laughs> right. 
All right. Well, very cool. Nice little deep dive into USB, USB serial, serial, and UDEV. Yep. So, oh, and also uh, hardware analysis tools or hardware uh, deciphering tools. Yeah, try the nice INXI. Things- That's pretty cool. I like that. I uh, already installed that and used it. It looks pretty good. Yeah, INXI is really nice. And, and the LSHW and the INXI are nice because every once in a while, you know, you come across a situation where, like, you have to call support, right? And you, you need to find, for example, the service tag on your Dell desktop. And uh, that stuff is actually embedded in the system. And INXI and LSHW will pull those out for you. So you don't have to, like, you know, someone, like, remove the, the sticker from the case or it's uh, under your desk and you don't have to go dive for it or whatever. Um, it's nice to have that information at your fingertips. Plus, you can also tell what kind of, like, high-powered processors are in your machine without opening it up and things like that. So, let's see. What else well, is going on in chat room? Now I see if I can see my uh, service tag. <laughs> you really see that? What option is that? Uh, I just grab for it, usually. If you have a Dell, you can just grab for it. Uh, generally, you have to do that as root, by the way. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I was just uh, looking at the verbosity settings and stuff like that. Hmm. Let me see if I can find it on mine because I'm looking. I'm on a Dell right now, so yeah. Let's yeah. see. Uh, no, not serial controllers. Serial numbers. Let's see. What's it reported as? Yep, right there. It's it's called product. Search for product. Lowercase. LSHW pipe through grep for product. Oh, pipe uh, product P. The dash Pro- P or what? No, no, no. LSHW pipe through. Just pipe. Oh that no, through. I was doing INXI. Oh, let's see. INXI. Let's see. Yeah, if you do INXI. Uh, let's see. Yeah, you can do INXI-V2 and then look under your system. You'll see model. <clears throat> system, model. I see a model, yeah. Oh, model no, is... Oh, precision. Model. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Yep. Oh, and then it gives you the tag number. Oh, yeah. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I was I was just checking uh, one of the other... If you do like INXI-TAC um, capital M, it'll just give you that uh, machine information. That has the same thing in there. So, yeah. So, yeah, Dell Precision M4600. My old, old Dell. Yeah, so, there you go. 2012. That's, I guess it's not that old. It's only five years or six years now. Yep. And I have the serial number right there, which should be the first part of that serial number will be your service tag. Oh, yeah. See, my service serial number says NA. Oh. I, th- I think the model number is the service tag on this one. I think. I'd have to pull the... Uh, pull the thing off on it <laughs> it it may be depending on how it's reported you know how it's stored in the bios and everything so yeah it i could wonder be. if i get inxi on uh on this guy on my solace box bet you they don't have it oh no it's shit it's already installed <laughs> <laughs> wow solace for the win and yeah it's the same thing on that that's also a dell 2014 that was newer how about that and yeah model yeah the serial number is na and the model number appears to be the tag number. The service tag. Yep. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, the six-digit thing. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I really like that. That's that's nice. That is slick. Well, let's get yep. on to announcements and feedback. I think we can't uh, delay this any longer. <laughs> that's right. Let's do that. <laughs> We're going to keep all talking right. about all these cool little tools and <laughs> never all get right. to anywhere. Cheryl can read these uh, first couple, and I'll, uh, I'll do the last one since it's kind of uh, without context. So Okay. All right, so there you go. Announcements and feedback. And this is feedback, by the way. We do have a couple of announcements, but we'll do feedback first. Okay, for the first announcement, this is Bill. I watched your entire video series on setting up your Hamshack station on Linux and enjoyed it. 
Should your processes work on other Debian-based systems besides Ubuntu? I run Mint Cinnamon in the 18.v or 18.x version range. I would like to try your steps on the system. Thanks in 73, Ian, Ian Con, KM4IK. Well, Ian, yes, sort of. Um, in order to get a ppa on a system you do have to install an ubuntu package into your debian system which does work but it sort of turns your debian system into an ubuntu system (laughs) not completely but at least partially to allow that ppa to actually reside and uh, mint is already a uh, i believe mint is already an ubuntu base right Yes, yeah. but I don't think it has the PPAs built in. You do have to install that uh, that uh, that package that allows you to do PPAs. If you wanted to do that, you don't have to do that, though. I mean, if you want to install the latest CQR log or the latest WSJTX or the latest FDL Digi, you can just go to the website, download the deb file, and then you have the deb. That's all you have to do, and just just use uh, whatever uh, you know software installer that uh, auto links with your deb file, or you can use GDB. Or dpackage, tacki, um, whatever you would normally do for a deb package, and then you could, you know, basically do the same thing. The only reason why I used it on on that particular system was because it was Ubuntu; it already had that, uh, you know, mechanism for uh, hooking into those PPAs. Uh, and sometimes those PPAs are more of a pain in the butt than they're worth. So, uh, you know, if you if you want the latest. Yeah, you know, maybe go ahead and get that deb. It would be a little bit simpler and stuff like that. Um, but do install it with your package installer so it installs all the dependencies. If you do a dpackage tack i on, let's say, CQR log, where you don't have any of the dependencies, it will install CQR log, but it won't finish it because it's going to say, hey, you're missing a bunch of supporting packages. And then you'll have to run that, uh, you know, sudo apt uh, tack F, whatever, fix missing or something like that, uh, whatever the uh, fix missing uh, <laughs> installer uh, command line is. And then it will go fix everything, grab all your requirements, and then it will finish installing that that Deb you tried to manually install. Um, generally on, on those systems, I use GDebby just because it works on a command line and it also follows all the requirements for the, uh, for the package that you're trying to install manually. Um, but I know like you know, most of the other systems, even Ubuntu and stuff like that, you know, the, as soon as you download Debian, it wants to open it up with the software installation environment. Uh, and that normally will install your dependencies as well. So, I mean, that that's fine as well, because uh, we know the repos are so out of date that you can't get the latest, greatest versions. So the only thing that I would say is different is that the, the PPA thing. So um, everything will work. You should be able to install all the uh, the Ham Radio Pure Blend packages. Uh, again, depending upon your system and the maintenance on the repo on there, de- depends on what actually is included in that list. Um, other than that, uh, the PPAs, you can download the DEBs directly or go ahead and uh, install the PPA uh, uh, package system or the PPA ability into your into your Debian or your Mint system. All right, very good. And W6KWF, who's a font of knowledge tonight, points out in the chat room that if you do apt install on the actual DEB, it will calculate your dependencies for you. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've never done that. <laughs> That's great information. <laughs> though. <laughs> I've always used GW. I've, I'm just a creature of habit. I, I, I automatically install that onto every system, regardless of whether it needs it or not. <laughs> just because right. it generally does everything I want it to, and it does it on the command line. I don't have to think about it. But yeah, if you can install with, you know, pointing to directly to the deb, uh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Thanks for that advice. And also the thing for fix missing, you can do apt dash F uh, install. App dash F install will do oh, yeah. fix missing. Yeah. 
And there's also, what was the other thing I was thinking of when we're talking about this? Um, oh, if you do, uh, deep, if you have a system that bombs out while you're doing an update, you can do dpackage dash dash configure dash A. And what that will do is it will configure everything that can be configured and only leave you with what it can't do. And then you can figure out from there. It's usually a small subset of broken stuff. So cool. Uh, lots of different ways to use dpackage. All right. So very cool. Uh, thanks, Ian, KM4IK, for your query yeah. and Bill's long-winded answer. Yeah, so we can move on to uh, <laughs> the next one. Okay. The next one is, Russ, you've been encouraging people to try SSTV lately. You might want to highlight the opportunity to receive SSTV from the ISS in the month of April. I think I might give it a try. Yes, and there is a link to that. That's from Steve, uh, KD0IJP, and there's there's a link to uh, an, an article that explains, like, when that's going to happen on the downlink frequency and all of that, and I myself just ordered the jumper blocks and the cables for my VHF rigs for my new signal link, so Ooh. I will be able to download SSTV from the iss and this is in fm so when you're on the two meters and listening to the iss it's on fm mode so you don't have to have an all mode rig either you can just use your regular uh you know you can use your handy talkie if that's what you have and uh you know really all you need is a handy talkie and a sound card and you can receive sstv so yep so yeah so (laughs) it doesn't take much you don't have to have any special gear you can even plug that cheapy bad thing in and uh you know if you can hear the iss with that little rubber ducky then it'll be fine otherwise plug an external antenna into it and then you can hear it um you know with something outside <laughs> from the shack <laughs> uh but yeah i hear it's i hear it's uh, it's pretty slick and uh you know definitely look for those passes above uh you know i'd say at least above 60 degrees so you can get a good chance of uh, getting a copy in the in the time so uh so yeah run the run the, run your pass predictions and then go ahead and figure out when the best time is but they're going to run that ISS or that SSTV all month long apparently in April and they just got uh, two new uh two new amateurs on board on the space uh on the space station there in this last uh launch that they sent out of Kazakhstan <laughs> I can never say it Kazakhstan Kazakhstan or something Kazakhstan Kazakhstan something like that yeah right. yeah that sounds right so yeah the, K-stan. You know, just call it K-stan yeah expect uh, you know expect some more activity hopefully I'm crossing the fingers that there'll be uh, some voice activity and stuff like that but it's it's pretty cool since they started that uh, that uh, SSTV thing up there on the on the ISS at least you can kind of grab that as it's passing by Yep, very cool. So give that a try if you've got the opportunity and a cheap Baofeng and a cable. So there you go. Uh, And lastly, we had a new subscriber to YouTube, which we'll talk about in another upcoming episode. New uh, folks who have joined the the podcast on social media. But Steve Haney uh, also commented on your uh, Linux in the Hamshack series about setting up Linux for your Hamshack and asked again if you can use Linux Mint. (laughs) And so... (laughs) Yes, we won't. We won't go through all of that answer. Hey, again, it is the, the number this... one distro on Distro Watch, so there's nothing wrong with using Linux Mint. I just, uh, I, I just don't use it myself. You're right, and and though we've recommended it for many a year around oh, yeah. here, I don't use it either. Yeah. But it is a fantastic distribution. Don't don't stop using it. Yep, You're just like I, I use Solus. So. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't have yep. any of the ham radio stuff built into it. <laughs> All right, so I think there we're down to the end. We'll do a couple of quick announcements. One is we are not or were not at 
green country. I guess that's, that doesn't happen it's yet. Or not. Yeah, we're not going to be. Yeah, we're not going to be at green country. I think we mentioned that before. Yeah. So everybody who's going to be at green country, have fun. <laughs> uh, we won't see you there. Uh, but we will be at Hamvention. Um, our Hamvention fund on GoFundMe is going well, uh, but we do need your donations. So if you could please send us one, that would be great. If you can't, please share to everybody you know. Uh, every little bit helps. We're looking to get $1,000, which we figure is about half of our expenses for the event. And uh, like I said, uh, things are going well, but time is getting short, and we could sure use your help, and we really do appreciate it. And I don't want to turn this into a two-month-long telethon, but that's basically what it is every April. So, uh, <laughs> uh, But anyway, moving on from that so we don't bore everybody, I think we'll just check the chat room, see if anybody wants to say anything. I guess we should identify the folks who are here tonight. There's uh, been quite a few of them. Uh, we have Dave KB0OWD. We have W6KWF. We have Steve KD0IJP. Who else do we have? Uh, we have Ted WA0EIR. Not gonna let it, you know. Not gonna forget about that. Darren, uh, we have Darren VK six EK. We have Don KB two YSI. We have Don KC nine ZMY. We have Paul KE five WMA. And I think that's all I see going down the list. That is quite a list, though. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks everybody for tuning in. I think we're I think we're starting to get a few listeners. I don't know. I don't yeah. want to say that too loud, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we got a we got a good mention uh from um the author of uh, Pike USO. Like, yeah, Christian. Yeah, moments after we <laughs> we got that podcast released, he must have listened to it like literally the same time I did <laughs> because as soon as I finished listening to it, I heard a ping on my phone and he's like, Hey, we were mentioned in the Linux and the Hampshire podcast. <laughs> and he's looking forward to a, uh, what do you say? A 1.1.1 release or something like that pretty soon with, uh, some other features and stuff like that. Let me, uh, let me just grab that note real quick here. He does post fairly frequently on Twitter about Pi QSO. So if you want to follow the development of Pi QSO, you can either check the project, or just hang out on twitter <laughs> yeah yeah twitter is a good place for kind of random stuff like that uh yeah so christian jacobs is ct jacobs underscore uk on uh on uh twitter and he said uh yeah he said thanks bill version 1.1.0 release coming soon which will have better support for satellite ops so this is probably setting up splits and stuff like that i know uh this is like uh a huge caveat to a lot of logging software is they have sometimes problems with the satellite splits and uh, getting that pushed out. So uh, very good and a lot of lot of traction on that. Uh, I saw Peter uh, Peter like that as well. He's a two M zero SQL. He's the one that did a I think cloud log. Uh, I think that's two E zero SQL. Oh yeah, two just... E zero SQL. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Well, oh no, yeah. it's two M. I forget two M zero SQL. Oh, it is two M zero. Yeah, he must have changed his call sign. Maybe uh, upgraded or whatever. It used to be too easy or SQL, but yeah, Peter Goodall. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, a lot of activity on that, and uh, we love we love mentioning projects that you guys are working hard on. So you know, tell us about them, give us some feedback. Um, we definitely want to get the word out that uh, people are alive and using Linux in the Hamshack and uh, are are developing and, and making it better for everybody in the ecosystem. That's right. The most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. I think that's it. We want to thank everybody for tuning into the live show. Um, we had a lot of good feedback in the chat room and you can, you know, do that too. The next time around, we will be recording this coming Thursday. Our weekender is coming up. So stay tuned for that. And then we'll have another one, a regular episode 
on the next Monday. So lots of opportunities to listen, and we appreciate each and every one of you tuning in and being a part of the show. And with that, I think we're going to take it on out of here. So thanks once again for listening to episode number 218 of Linux in the Hamshack. I'm Russ K5TUX. I'm Cheryl W5MOO. And I'm Bill NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the program by visiting the LHS Patreon page of patreon.com stroke lhspodcast or using the contribute link on the website. Get in touch via social media. The show has a presence on Google+, Facebook, Twitter, Discord and YouTube. Or you can drop an email to info at lhspodcast.info or record a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the IRC channel, LHS Podcast, on the Freenode IRC network. Also visit the online merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable LHS merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a Linux convention or ham fest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info or visit the website for details. The podcast is recorded live every Monday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Connect to the stream at stream.blacksparrowmedia.net colon 8008 stroke LHS live. Until next time, over and out. Linux in the Ham Shack and the Linux in the Ham Shack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribute Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.